Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. May the peace, mercy, and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon all of you. Welcome to Islam and Life, and thank you for welcoming us into your home this evening to share in these conversations. My name is Maimuna Hussain, and my co-host is Brother Khalid Al-Qazaz. We're in a beautiful studio this evening, coming to you live as we return to Islam and Life. And as we begin, we say Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. We begin in the remembrance and praise of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. As we begin anything that we hope will be with of goodness, Inshallah. So let's begin with some recitation of the Holy Quran. Allahu la ilaha لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض ولا يؤده حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم um, as we start, I also want to share some important links with you for Islam in Life. Uh, the first is that we are broadcasting as a live podcast, and you should see the link come up at the bottom of the screen shortly if you want to join or tune in after as well. It will be available. The second thing I want to share with you also is this, this is a live interactive program. So please, uh, if you have any questions throughout the show, you're welcome to send those in. And you can send those in through the YouTube channel. Or you can email us at productions at macnet.ca when we ask some questions and if you have uh, some feedback for us. Uh, as well, we want to know where you're all coming from tonight. So uh, whoever is tuning in, please let us know. The last thing is you also have an option to join us uh, and ask us questions through Zoom Live. So you go on to Zoom and the meeting ID is 905-822-2626. You'll find us there towards the end of the show. We will open it up. I will open up the platform for you to ask questions live. Uh, as tonight is our first show, I do want to begin with a land acknowledgement. We want to start uh, by recognizing that the, where the studio is tonight on Turtle Island um, is part of the Mississaugas of the Credit. In particular, we uh, recognize uh, this as the territory of the Anishinaabeg, Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, and the Ojibwe-Wendat, the land that is home to the Métis, Inuit, and most uh, recently the Mississaugas of the Credit. Um, so. The, uh, through the show, uh, I will uh, ask our brother Khalid Al-Qazaz to talk to you a little bit about what our hope is and goals are in terms of Islam and life. Jazakumullah khair, Sister Mumun. We're excited to be back uh, here today and uh, be uh, uh, part of this uh, show and this production. We, uh, we were able, alhamdulillah, to uh, run this show uh, uh, at the beginning of last year as a pilot and uh, had a few interesting conversations and we meant to uh, bring this back uh, full force uh, uh, starting from today. Uh, the idea here is to uh, really do uh, or create a platform where Muslims 
are able to have uh, real contemporary conversations around what matters to them now and what is relevant to everything uh, that they uh, do. We've heard for a long time conversations around and discussions around uh, fiqhi aspect of our religion, the halal and the haram, some history aspects, but very few conversations we have and we have together that relates to uh, our day-to-day -day lives. Actually, between the halal and the halal, what is the Islamic choice? What is the Islamic preference? And we also wanted to create a conversation or start a conversation where we are in control of the agenda and we're not a guest to somebody else's agenda. So we own our own agenda, we own our own narrative, we have our own Muslim-Muslim conversations and Muslim-Muslim discussions. And then we also uh, would like to uh, basically create an, uh, a production that, is, that, is, that reflects our ideas, our creativity, that shares our Islamic perspective into life and we contribute how we contribute to society. We hope to do all this uh, today and every week, uh, this ev uh, similar to this evening, and uh, engage with our guests in an interesting, uh, challenging, and uh, uh, critical way as well. So uh, we, we hope to uh, do this together, myself and Sister Maimouna. And our hope is really to uh, bring guests that are uh, contributing to the Canadian Islamic narrative and engage in those meaningful conversations that uh, Brother Khaled is speaking about. And as you know, this show is a production of the Muslim Association of Canada. And MAC really strives to be a positive force for change in society uh, by promoting and engaging Muslims within the wider society, looking at building bridges and working collaboratively with other groups, organizations that share common goals and values. And uh, through our presence, through MAC's presence in Canada, uh, we've been involved in this work over 25 years now, and we've had four really big areas of impact that we focus on. Uh, the first is developing a Muslim-Canadian identity. I, uh, the second is upholding a balanced and mainstream message of Islam. Uh, the next is delivering programs and services to thousands of Canadians across the country. And finally, looking at creating spaces for Muslims in Canada to really find a sense of belonging and then thriving and contributing. So through these areas of impact, um, you know, we've really worked over the past several uh, years to build and enable multiple generations of Canadians to serve their community through acts of uh, service. So that's where the show is at, and that's where we kind of come in. And uh, because tonight is one of our, uh, we're starting back up again, uh, we want to invite all of you to really engage with us in these critical conversations. And so our critical question of the week is, Brother Khalid. Uh, we have many critical questions <laughs> that we are, <laughs> that we would like to discuss and, uh, and, engage, uh, and engage in. And actually this is an activity where we are going to not give you answers and not, uh, uh, attempt to uh, to point uh, the direction, but actually ask those uh, uh, those uh, difficult questions. So uh, so we we're going to prepare uh, this segment every week. Uh, and if you have actually some questions that you would like to share and uh, engage with us at this at the, that we take on with the, with our guests, please feel free to email us or uh, uh, post a comment on on YouTube. So uh, we we, uh, we we will keep this as an open segment, open for uh, communication and discussion. And so tonight, again, uh, looking at your feedback and looking at what kinds of conversations you want to engage in and what kinds of topics you feel will contribute to the show, we invite you to uh, tell us 
and provide your suggestions or questions on what kinds of topics you think are important to this conversation around the narrative of Muslims and Islam in Canada. You can email us and uh, you're just going to see that email pop up below. It's productions at macnet.ca and we'll be looking over that and you can send that us, uh, over the course of the week. Now let's talk about tonight's episode. Brother Khalid. Yes, so we wanted to start uh, basically this uh, uh, series and this uh, uh, season, if uh, we use the language of the shows today, uh, by actually highlighting the importance of such productions and, and what is the significance of uh, uh, having Muslim uh, productions and creative Muslim productions. And uh, the best to do this is to do it uh, with experts uh, who've had their own share of this. Uh, we have a Canadian experience, we have an American experience, and we have uh, an academic who, uh, who uh, specializes in this. We'll talk about uh, uh, rep Muslim representation in the media, we'll talk about uh, 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 these uh, creative productions, and we'll talk about owning our narrative as Muslims uh, in, uh, in nowadays time. So, so that's the conversation that we have for today. Uh, we have a segment that uh, uh, we had to shoot uh, separately because of the time differences of one of our guests. And then we'll continue the live conversation uh, here at the studio. Thank you. So, as Brother Khalid is saying, we do have three guests that we'll be conversing with. But first, let's take a look at what our research team has put together on this topic. Islam is a communication-based religion. The message of Islam was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad through the Qur'an and then spread across tribes and nations through various means of communication. During the formation of the earliest Muslim community in the state of Medina, oral communication was the basic mode of social interaction and the only way to spread information. Both leaders and followers in Medina were closely linked, creating a tightly knit social network. Often members of the community witnessed the moments during which the revelation was descended upon the Prophet Muhammad, which was then communicated orally by him to the companions. The companions would then immediately learn the text by heart and spread it further into their network. The Qur'an, however, emphasizes the importance of written communication as a way to preserve information due to the nature and forgetfulness of people. As translated in verse 282 of Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O believers, when you contract a loan for a fixed period of time, commit it to writing. Although the Qur'anic revelations were primarily preserved in the people's memories, out of fear that the knowledge might disappear with time, they were also recorded in writing and on materials such as palm branches and stones. The verses were then compiled and copied onto sheets of parchment shortly after the death of the Prophet by a companion named Zayd ibn Thabit. The communication of the message of Islam through both oral and written form allowed the Muslim community to grow from just a cluster to a thriving state extending across Africa and Asia. Communication to this day essential to the practice, the preservation, and the spread of the Islamic faith. Contemporary mass media is currently an important means of da'wah, which means that to introduce the divine message of Islam to people. Technology and communication systems are currently being used as tools for educating and influencing public opinion. Any da'wah effort requires individuals who can communicate effectively and to various segments of society in unique and creative ways. It is important to note, however, that Islam imposes a moral and ethical framework for every individual hoping to spread information to the masses. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in verse 6 of Surah Al-Hujurat, O believers, if an evildoer brings you any news, verify it, so that you do not harm people unknowingly, 
becoming regretful for what you have done. Islam forbids any possible harm inflicted unjustly on people through communication. Therefore, journalists and mass media content designers must assert a sense of responsibility that is rooted in religious norms when spreading the noble message of Islam through any form of communication or modern media. This moral responsibility extends to each and every one of us being consumers of media through numerous platforms. We will speak today to Muslims in the community who have used media and communication to promote Islam. Firstly, we will be speaking to Brother Raif Haggag, a singer and songwriter at Awakening Record. Secondly, we will be speaking to Dr. Muhammad Hamas al-Masri, an associate professor at Doha Institute of Graduate Studies. And thirdly, we will be speaking to Brother Taha Ghayur, Vice President of Sound Vision, a Muslim media institution. All right, so we're back. So we have our three guests that we want to have the conversation with. As uh, Brother Khalid had mentioned, a part of this is pre-recorded because we had two guests that were uh, in other parts of the world and one from a different uh, time zone. So uh, the first two that you'll be listening to tonight, uh, Brother Raif Haged, he's a Muslim American song, uh, singer, songwriter, who uh, uses his critically acclaimed song as a, and singing expertise as a tool to promote the beauty of Islam. Uh, he's a world-renowned artist who is signed with Awakening Music and he's the executive director at Mini Muslims, which is an animation studio that produces songs and stories for Muslim children. In addition to his music, Raif has been the star of an Indonesian TV series called Journey of a Backpacker, in which he visits notable Indonesian towns and cities exploring uh, the history of Islam in Nus Nusantara, which is an Indi a city in, in Indonesia. And the second guest that uh, you will be seeing is Dr. El-Masri. Dr. Muhammad Hamas El-Masri is an associate professor in the Media and Cultural Studies program at the Doha Institute for Graduate Studies. And uh, his research focuses on Arab press. And he has been featured in numerous reputable publications. He's also appeared on international news networks uh, such as CNN, Al Jazeera, uh, BBC World, as well as a media and political analyst specializing uh, in sp uh, Egypt as well. And he also creates music, uh, which he'll be speaking about under uh, the uh, media uh, house uh, called Bullet Point Music. And uh, we will introduce Brother Taha Ghayur after this as well. Thank you so much, Sister Maimuna, for this introduction. I'm happy to be with uh, uh, two people I uh, really enjoy uh, uh, listening to in different ways and uh, uh, learning from, actually, as well. Uh, I want to start uh, right away with Dr. Masri and, uh, and asking him, basically, about uh, Muslim representation in media in general. And uh, uh, I think this is a subject of your studies. And if we start this conversation around uh, 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 how Muslims are viewed in Western media in general, particularly in North America, and uh, is there any development, is there any improvement, and is there any focus uh, or areas where Muslims can uh, contribute more to improving that image and that representation? Okay, so that's a lot to uh, unpack. So I have three hours to respond, right? <laughs> you can, we can start. <laughs> um, First of all, just a quick clarification. I um, I no longer work at the University of uh, North Alabama. I resigned uh, a few years ago, so I'm full-time and permanent, uh, inshallah, at the Doha Institute in the Media Studies program. We changed our name from Media and Cultural Studies to Media Studies. Um, um, so your question is is important, 
and I was joking about the three hours, but also I, I probably sadly could could talk for for three <laughs> hours on that. The the long and the short of it, the long and the short of it is that um, there's been a ton of research on um, representations of Islam and Muslims in Western uh, news media, and the overwhelming majority of that research. Uh, suggests that Muslims are portrayed uh, negatively and that Islam is portrayed uh, stereotypically. So, and and interestingly, there there have been studies done, you know, in the context of the United States, uh, Canada, various European countries, uh, Australia, New Zealand, um, and the results are pretty uh, pretty consistent. So. Um, you know, we could get into possible explanations of, you know, why uh, the, the portrayals and representations are negative and stereotypical, but that's, that's kind of what the research um, shows. Some of the research that I've done um, with my, my research uh, partner, Dr. Mohammed Nawawi, um, shows that Muslims are less likely to be uh, portrayed as victims, and they're more likely to be, be portrayed as aggressors so i'll just really quickly you said i have two to three minutes to kind of uh, uh give a response so I, I i think i still have a little bit of time um a couple of the studies that we've done focused on five separate terrorist attacks that occurred everybody remembers them they occurred in 2015 and 2016 um, there was there was an attack in paris there was another attack in brussels so those two attacks occurred in Western societies and the victims were primarily non-Muslims. And then we looked at uh, attacks in Ankara, uh, Turkey, and also Maiduguri, uh, Nigeria. Uh, and in those places, the victims were primarily um, uh, Muslims, uh, almost exclusively Muslims, in fact. And so we did a qualitative study and a quantitative study. I don't have time to unpack all the results, but basically uh, Western news media, American news media in this case, effectively ignored uh, the attacks that occurred against uh, Muslims and really played up the attacks that were uh, uh, that uh, that victimized non-Muslims. Um, and to kind of control for potential confounding variables, we we selected those five attacks. Uh, strategically, because all in all five cases, the attackers were Muslims. The, the, the terrorist attack was committed, uh, were, those terrorist attacks were committed by Muslims. So we're kind of effectively controlling for, um, the, you know, the identity of, of the attacker. Um, also, one last thing on that, the uh, attacks on Paris and Brussels were framed as acts of terrorism, whereas the uh, attacks in Ankara and Maiduguri, Nigeria, uh, were framed as internal conflicts, despite the fact that the attacks clearly met the textbook definitions uh, of terrorism. So you're, you're talking about uh, uh, negative uh, uh, portrayal of Muslims and uh, neglecting Muslims in news media particularly. Uh, I wanted to focus a bit on uh, change. We understand that there is a peak and a different focus uh, when it came to September 11 moving forward. But do you uh, track any change in that representation of Muslims in news media or other forms of media? And is the change uh, towards the positive side or uh, or more negative? You know, I, 
we hear a lot of talk about about change. Um, certainly, anecdotally, there's there's evidence that you know certain news outlets have have really, I think, recognized some of the um, some of the shortcomings and failings of of Western news reporting, and they've tried to um, introduce more positive representations of Muslims. So one prominent example that comes to mind was the three uh, Muslim college uh, kids that were um, murdered in a, in a hate crime in um, North Carolina in 2015, right? Um, uh, our three winners, um, there was a, a kind of a campaign uh, launched in the aftermath of that. And a lot of news media in the United States did provide very sympathetic uh, coverage and, and they highlighted um, their Muslim identities. Right, uh, but the empirical research, which is really going to focus on large uh, uh, samples and general patterns, doesn't suggest that there's been any kind of a major shift. In fact, like if you look at the more recent studies on big news outlets like the New York Times, the results are pretty consistent. That Islam tends to be ignored, except when there's something negative, uh, something bad. Uh, happening and Muslims are much more likely to be uh, represented uh, negatively. Some of the more interesting research in that line um, is has been done by um, Travis Dixon, uh, who's a, a really well-known scholar who does what he calls inter-reality comparison research. So he compares effectively real-world statistics and numbers um, with uh, news media portrayal numbers. And what he finds is that Muslims are overrepresented uh, as criminals and terrorists uh, in the news media. So um, I think sometimes when we talk about the positive change, we we may uh, be overstating it. However, the la and the last thing I don't want to uh, hog all the time, but we also have to keep in mind that news outlets are diverse and Western society itself is diverse. So it's very difficult for me to sit, sit up here and talk about Western news media, when you literally have thousands and thousands of news outlets and you have many dozens of uh, Western countries. Thank you so much, Dr. Masri. Uh, as I uh, invite uh, uh, Brother Raif for some uh, of his thoughts as well, I want to kind of do a bit of a shift because I think you've got, uh, helped us kind of uh, look at some of the research part of this. And uh, I know, Brother Raif, you're in that production space. And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that narrative. So, so in fact, if the research is showing that this is what's happening, at least from the news perspective, where does Muslim media production play a role in this, and how do we create, develop, and kind of uh, have that the narrative that we want? And you know, how have you done this? I believe. Um, first of all, thank you for for inviting me to this conversation. I think we should have more of these conversations. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak more about the creative production because. Um, Although news media is is uh, very powerful, and um, even even um, like like an interview style production, um, my work is primarily focused on creative production. And what's really powerful about the the, the creative arts, whether it be music or film, uh, or the performing arts, is it brings beauty into the discussion. So no offense to all the academics out there. <laughs> But um, uh, the quickest way to someone's heart, I believe, is through the arts and, and through uh, creative productions. Um, in particular, music. Music is, is such a beautiful 
art form and you you can um you can make people feel a certain way just with a few notes and uh, similarly when when you um when you present a film and tell a story and so when, when we're when we're speaking about uh, media productions it really is a form of storytelling and the best people to tell their own to tell stories about a particular group are the, are the people themselves um and we have no shortage of of uh, of rich history in 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 in, um, in 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 muslim communities across the world in creating uh this kind of art this kind of production now we call it production but back then it was just music and stories that people told for hundreds of years and we're very proud and we should be very proud of this uh of this heritage and this history thank you uh, brother Rai, for this uh, important uh, uh, angle completing the uh, uh, the uh, analysis of uh, how Muslims are portrayed in news media particularly, but I think it's safe to say that it also extends uh, to non-news uh, non media. And uh, you mentioned the, the power of storytelling, and I think uh, the, going back to the question on changing that, changing that uh, uh, stereotype or changing that uh, representation, uh, having more original, authentic Muslim voices in uh, creating content and writing these stories, I think is a key uh, is a key uh, key aspect. Uh, I want to uh, ask you two parts of this question, and maybe Dr. Masri also can uh, weigh in. The first is basically, can you give us some uh, perspective on the history or the development of uh, how Muslims uh, contributed to uh, media in different forms, let's say over the uh, past few decades? And uh, the second part is basically how effective is this and how is it open, is it open to uh, non-Muslim audience or is it only viewed uh, within, uh, within our own uh, uh, Muslim communities in North America? So over the last two decades, I, I think I, we've seen a lot more uh, Muslim representation in, in the creative production than the creative spaces. And I think it's important to point out, and I think we're all realizing this, that the Muslim communities in the West and in the United States and Canada in particular uh, and, and UK were very diverse, ethnically, uh, language-wise, but also religiosity. And I think this is where a lot of us are beginning to realize that uh, when we say Muslim representation, that can mean a lot of that can mean a lot of things to many different people. Um, for many people, for many uh, Muslims in in the West. Um, the label Muslim is simply an identity. Uh, for other communities, it's a way of life, and, it, and and people are more serious about the practice of the faith itself, and not just being identified as a Muslim. And so you see that played out in uh, in in drama series. I think w w one show that 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 I that I can think of right now um, is the show Rami, which is extremely popular in. Um, in, in Muslim and non-Muslim spaces. I mean, this is a this this show was released. I believe there was season two this or season three. I'm not sure how many seasons were out there, but this show was widely discussed in in the in public spaces outside of the Muslim community. And a lot of people who are uh, uh, practicing more practicing Muslims from within our Muslim communities uh, felt that that didn't represent them. However, that story 
uh, did represent a segment of our community. So when, when we talk about representation, especially in the last 20 years and, and, and in the future, there's many different voices to, to, uh, to share within our own uh, communities. And that can be so, challenging if, if, we, if we want, if we feel like our voices aren't heard, our particular Muslim voice is, isn't heard, um, uh, then it's really up to us to tell that particular sh side of the story, that particular angle of the, uh, of the story. So, so that takes us to the second part that maybe Professor Masri can, uh, can comment on. So what's the impact of that growing uh, contribution of uh, different or diverse uh, uh, Muslims from different backgrounds, different levels of religiosity into the wider uh, uh, media, not just uh, uh, the news media? What, what do you think is the impact? Um, good question. I, I'm, I'm kind of boring uh, as an academic. I am very much uh, uh, empirical. I, wa I want to see evidence. Um, so the, the, the reality is that, I mean, I can give you what I think might happen over time, but we don't have um, a lot of research yet um, showing the, 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 the kind of impact that you're speaking to. But I think that we could, um, you know, we can surmise that over time, Muslims sort of uh, taking control or more control of media narratives and telling their own story or stories, diverse stories, uh, will have um, uh, a kind of a pluralistic effect, right? It will it will create a type of uh, you know plurality and complexity around these uh, these media narratives, and that's that's very important. I think that we would be remiss if we didn't point out that, especially in Muslim immigrant communities in the West, Muslims are very underrepresented in, uh, in mass media. Muslims tend to be overrepresented in things like engineering and uh, medicine. There are not a ton of uh, Muslim journalists. There are not a ton of Muslim uh, recording artists, right? I mean, people like Ra'if um, and, and, you know, the others that are out there with Awakening, you know, Meher Zain and, and uh, others, Native Dean and, and some of the others are doing wonderful, really critically important work. But, you know, we need to do more to support that work. Um, I think it needs to be um, mainstreamed and we need more, you know, we need more artists, uh, quite frankly. Um, but I, I do think that over time there 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 could be an effect, but um, I can't I can't I can't speak to any specifics because we don't have them yet. Thank you, Dr. Mesri. I I want to actually because I, I I think part of this is to engage our community to think but also act, and, and so you know this one piece that you're saying that we need more people uh, to you know get into that space of production and that space of creative creation, but it also sounds to me like you're saying that research we don't have research as well so if if people are looking to kind of um even study and look into those spaces to understand better um i think we're still in that space perhaps from what you're saying that uh, of studying islamophobia and that representation in media 
specifically news, but what else can we start looking at to get a bigger picture and start understanding uh, or creating knowledge around uh, production and representation and this conversation around Islam, uh, the narrative of Islam and Muslims, uh, you know, and I want to say more than North America, perhaps the Western context or contemporary times. You know what I what I maybe I wasn't clear what I what I meant. I mean, there's a ton of research on um, Islamophobia or uh, you know um, representations of Islam and Muslims going back many many uh, decades actually, and not just in the news media but also in the entertainment media. You have you know people like um, uh, like Jack Shaheen who who wrote a book um, looking at a hundred years of of Muslim representation in film, right in in Hollywood film. Um, what I mean to say is that the imp what I meant to say is that the impact of you know awakening records on mainstream um, representation has not been studied, um, and that's something that because it's it's a it's a very new phenomenon. You know, I mean, we're kind of like in this little vacuum in twenty twenty three, but this is all this is all very new. It's not like we have you know fifty years or forty years or thirty years of of you know mainstream Muslim entertainment to, to draw on, um, so I, I think that it is an area that needs to be researched. Uh, we have research on the portrayals, the, like the, we have the content side, but the impact side or the effects side, that's something that we haven't um, you know we haven't studied uh, uh, enough. Thank you, Dr. Masri, and I uh, want to go back to Raif on his. Uh, uh, comment on the different types of uh, Muslims and it seems to me or it seems to some people that uh, uh, the accepted uh, stories are the stories of uh, uh, integration and assimilation the stories of uh, Muslims who want to live uh, uh, normally and naturally uh, in the um, in this culture and this uh, and this context and less and less uh, accepted in the mainstream uh, media uh, more original, uh, if I call, uh, uh, Islamic narratives, similar to the work that you do, Ra'if, uh, uh, and Awakening in general. How do you quantify this? Like, do you feel that your work is has ears and has presence in the wider community, or is it uh, solely uh, focused or uh, accepted within the Muslim community? Well, uh I believe that like m most of most of the music that I, that I create and uh, my label creates is for the Muslim community, so that's by design. Um, there are some songs for sure that that uh, is accepted, you, you know, outside of our community, um, and yeah, I mean it's a challenge. It's a challenge that that not just within the music space, uh, but life in general, living in the West, you know, the balance between do we want to be accepted or do we want to keep you know for, for who we are, or do we have to sort of a water down um, our our um, our faith or how we want to be represented, and uh, when uh, when Professor Musri was speaking about, you know, we just don't have enough information about the the impact of the kind of music that we're creating in in, in the wider communities. But what we can do um, is is look back and and look at look at what Muslim communities have, have done for hundreds of years, and I've seen this uh, firsthand. In in, uh, in in countries like Malaysia and Indonesia, where uh, Islam is not native to those islands, and uh, music and art and 
was used quite a bit to teach them, uh, the majority non-Muslims, about Islam. And uh, it was very effective for hundreds of years. Art and music and uh, the performing arts were used to not only teach Islam, but make people fall in love with Prophet Muhammad. And fall in love with Allah Azawajal. And you know, if you go to Mecca or Medina, you'll see that love come out from people who are from Malaysia and Indonesia. And so we have these references that we can sort of look back at and and these lessons that we see that, that for over for hundreds of years. And so when when I look at the the history of Islam in, in, in Indonesia and Malaysia, and, and in particular when it comes to music and, and the arts, I'm I'm so hopeful um that that uh, that this can happen um, in other parts of the world. It has happened in other parts of the world. It just takes time, I guess. If I just do a quick follow-up to this one, uh, Raif, and ask. Uh, so we, we know that uh, our black uh, communities in their uh, production of music over uh, many generations, it had its special identity. And uh, different communities and, and indigenous communities' contribution to art and music were also had a special identities. Uh, I understand when you say that your work was focused on uh, producing for the Muslim community, but if you are to produce for the, for the wider community uh, Muslim music, what would this be like? Or Muslim art and creative productions? What, what is Muslim uh, music and, mus and, and, and uh, Muslim uh, contributions space? Well, for when, when, we, when we talk about Muslim music, um, it, for me, it's a, a lot of it is, is like folk music. So folk music, folk music is music that was passed down from generation to generation. And it wasn't made to, with the intention of um, Sort of entertaining any crowds, even though it was, uh, and, it, and it was entertaining. Um, but when, when we when we talk about folk music and when we talk about Muslim music, we're creating music that's meaningful to us, with the hopes that others would see the beauty in it. Um, and the reason I say that is, if if we create music just for the outside community, it, it will. It, and as people have done, it it comes off as inauthentic. And and um, and people can sense that, and so you, you, and again we could use the, the example of um, of African American Muslims and their culture, and and they've 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 cultivated their culture for themselves, and because of that the beauty the natural beauty of that culture of that music showed, and people then accepted it because it was genuinely beautiful. Similarly, when you look at Christian rock or Christian music. You know, people are people are singing, uh, are writing songs about their faith and and how beautiful it is to them. And now you'll see even a lot of mainstream pop pop songs are taking references from Christian rock or Christian pop. And so I I don't see why this this can't happen with our community and uh, and our message. Um, but it does take time, I believe, and it takes like Dr. Mostri said, an um, uh, an interest and an investment in the arts within our communities that, so that we're that our, our arts and our stories and and our productions are valued thank you how much time do we have i'd like to uh add on to that if i could please uh, please go ahead we have a surprise so, question for you around this as well but uh, we'll leave it till the end 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I think I think I think I might know where you're going with that. And actually, I was gonna I, I was gonna uh, say something about that yeah. um, in this context. So I think we have to recognize the challenge that Muslim artists face. So if you you know someone like uh, Raif who who does wonderful music, but you know there are 330 million uh, Americans. But the kind of music, if we're just being real, if we're being realistic, the kind of music that Raif does is is sort of narrowcast. It's gonna. It, there are very few non-Muslim Americans or Canadians or Western English-speaking Europeans um, that are going to uh, pay attention to those uh, songs. And that's not just true of, you know, Muslim artists, but also even it's very difficult for Christian artists to to break into the mainstream. In fact, the, the easiest way to, to break into the mainstream is to just lose part part of that identity and just do what everybody else does. Right. And we have to be honest and realistic, um, you know, with ourselves that we live in a society that is characterized to some extent. I don't want to overgeneralize, but to some extent by a sort of moral and ethical decline uh, over the past, you know, however long i don't i don't want to i don't want to put a number on it but you know um if you uh sexualize women your songs are are going to be more likely to sell we know this empirically by the way if you talk about um if your songs are materialistic right um then your songs are going to be more likely uh to to resonate with mainstream society it's the same with movies the more violence you have in the movies the more likely they are to be successful. So I'm going to tell the little story. I think I, I think I'm, I'm going to steal your thunder here on the surprise. So I dabble in music myself on the side. It's just kind of a side hobby. But so I do songs that don't get, you know, a lot of, I don't really market them and I'm not signed to a label. So they don't get a lot of attention or streams. I just kind of do it because it's, it's, a, it's a fun hobby. But so on this, on the last song that I did, I decided to put, um, E for explicit. There's an option when you release a song that you can you can indicate that the song is explicit or that it has explicit lyrics. Now the song does not have any explicit lyrics. I don't I don't curse. Uh, you could play the song for a five year old uh, child, but this song, like because it, I mean that that's the only. I don't think it's any better than than other songs that I've done. But because it had the E, it was picked up by a bunch of a whole bunch of playlists on Spotify and ended up getting a lot more streams than my other songs. So that's just one small example. Um, and so, and I say all of that to say or suggest to Muslims who are listening to us right now or watching that we really, I think, need to do a lot more when we have these talented artists in our communities, right? And I don't want to name the names. We have one with us right now, but we need to actually support these people instead of you know, uh, buying the latest, you know, mainstream artist album. How about supporting our our uh, Muslim musicians or our Muslim filmmakers or the people that are doing other forms of content production, doing shows? Um, if we're not going to support that stuff, then it's going to die. It's going to it's going to die off. Like we, these people should be uh, well known in our communities. They should be they should be famous in our communities, and they should be making money. Um, not that they're doing it for money, right? They're they're sincere, but they should be able to earn a living doing this, and very very few people are able to do that. Thank you, Dr. Masri, for your uh, contributions and for these uh, 
uh, interesting perspectives from different angles. Uh, I want to uh, ask a final question to uh, Brother Raif about uh, the creative uh, production of uh, Mini Muslims uh, for children. And uh, either this uh, Mini Muslims or your entire uh, work, uh, I see a clear uh, uh, projection of uh, second generation Muslims. Uh, I see, I hear their voice, I see their contribution. And I feel that uh, the addition that they give uh, with these productions and what makes it really Muslim is the fact that it has a message, a meaningful message. It has uh, some uh, uh, a positive uh, impact that is uh, uh, sought. And uh, how do you bring this all together with uh, Muni Muslims? Sure. So with Muni Muslims, um our goal is really to, to, to allow children or give children the opportunity to fall in love with uh, Prophet Muhammad and Allah Azzawajal. And this, if you think about the nursery rhymes that your, that your parents sang to you when you were a child, those things stick for life. And so we're still figuring out with many Muslims um, uh, on, on exactly how to do this. Um, but if, when you think about your, a child's relationship with Islam, it's not, you don't want it to be do this, don't do that. Um, because if it's too harsh or if it's too dry, it's hard to fall in love with that. So one quick example of that is one of our most popular songs is Yay, We Get to Pray. And a lot of times when, 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 um, when, we, when we tell children about Salah, we tell them, we're Muslim, we have to pray, right? We're Muslim, we have to fast. And this, uh, even though we, we may not intend it, when we tell our, our children, we have to pray, it almost becomes like, um, a task that they have to do. Instead, the messaging that we have, and this is by intention and by design, is that we, 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 we tell our children, we get to pray. That it's a, it's a chance for us. And not, we don't have, it's not a have to task thing. It's we have the, 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 the blessing and, the, and, and um, the opportunity to pray. So yes, the song does talk about the five different prayers that they go through. But the chorus is, yay, we get to pray, as if it's, a, and, and, and it, as it should be, an exciting opportunity to connect uh, with Allah. So we're still figuring it out with many Muslims. And the good news is that there's lots of folks doing work in this uh, Muslim children's space. And we're trying our best to, to raise the bar in terms of quality production and quality of content. So uh, we're very excited about the years to come with many Muslims, inshallah. Thank you for the ref. And uh, we look forward to, uh, you know, uh, taking this content and for generations that come ahead of us to inshallah benefit from it and uh, we thank both of our guests brother Raif and Dr. Masri for being with us here today and having this important conversation and kind of looking at this uh, topic around production uh, media content uh, both from you know whether that's news whether that's creative production and where we as a Muslim community kind of fit into this and how we can potentially even impact uh, inshallah we look forward to having more of these conversations and looking to, forward to more of your work, Dr. Masri's research as well. Thank you so much. Uh, alaykum wa all right, so welcome back in studio. So to continue that conversation, actually, we have uh, Brother Taha Gayur, who will probably not be a stranger for many of you. Uh, he's a notable community leader based in Toronto. Uh, he's he is a trained human rights activist, writer, and personal growth and leadership trainer as well. 
Uh, he's been involved in impactful community initiatives for more than 20 years across North America, mashallah. He is the vice president of a Sound Vision Foundation, which is a Muslim media and professional development training institution. He is a board member at Muslim Fest, which is an award-winning Muslim festival celebrating Muslim arts and culture. And so we welcome you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa rahmatullah. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, of course. I, it's a pleasure for us. I want to perhaps pick up where that conversation with uh, Dr. Mestri and uh, Brother Raif kind of ended uh, in terms of content and uh, looking at how to you know build meaningful content that is still authentic to you know the narrative of Islam we have the example that Dr. Masri provided when you know when you have certain type of content whether that's um, content that is more materialistic or sexualized or you know explicit it gets more attention and we know that those are not the types of things that we want to necessarily promote in Islamic productions. And given your experiences, I wanted to ask you, how do you kind of develop authentic content knowing that that's kind of what you're contending with out there? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And I think this is a um, question every person who in media is asking, whether Muslim or non-Muslim. How do we get the attention of um, uh, the attention and eyeballs of young Muslims or people that we are actually trying to reach. And I think the bottom line here is that we are ensure, we want to ensure that we use all um, techniques of uh, storytelling. And those techniques of storytelling are universal. Um, things that we know even from the Quran itself, um, how to captivate people's attention. And that art of uh, storytelling is something that Muslims have, alhamdulillah, begin, begun to master. This is something that we tried to do almost 30 years ago before I even joined uh, where, where I am today at Sound Vision. Um, and one of the things was, the idea was how do we produce content that is captivating to young Muslims at the time. And there's really nothing out there, but what we knew is that there's Sesame Street is there that young people were tuning into and really loved. And that's when we decided to launch something called Adam's World, uh, which is used a similar concept. So I think what as Muslims and Canadian Muslims, American Muslims, we should be focused on doing is using the art of storytelling, mastering it, and not compromising our standards of production. If we can do that, the reason why Disney is able to do what they're able to do is not only because um, they have hyper, sometimes hyper-sexualized content, or, and that goes for Hollywood or, or other forms of media out there, or productions out there, but it's also because they have raised the bar of production uh, very high, and I think Muslims should have no limits other than, of course, resources, which is definitely one of our challenges. But I think we're getting there. Thank you, Brother Taha, and uh, I have a quick uh, follow-up for this, and, uh, and uh, mashallah, I consider you a pioneer in this field, uh, uh, all the work that you've done in different capacities, but primarily around these creative Muslim productions uh, uh, in, 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 in different ways. But my uh, simple question is, so what makes a production a Muslim production? Is there such a thing as a halal production, or, uh, and, and what makes it really uh, a truly Muslim production? I think um, it's hard to define what is halal and what is Islamic uh, when it comes to, or what is Muslim, let's put it this way, when it comes to uh, production because 
there's so many definitions out there. Just halal label has been actually used, overused, sometimes underused, uh, underrated as well. But from my, my understanding um, is simply if we stick to our principles of morality, moral foundations of, uh, you know, of storytelling once again, moral foundations of media, um, that from Islamic perspective do not cross those generous boundaries that Islam has set around morality. Um, and, and as long as we are telling our, giving our narrative, producing our narrative from our perspective and we're not compromising or we're not necessarily, you know, copying and pasting what is already out there. As long as our content is authentic, our narrative is authentic, the, the, the players can be anybody. Could be Muslims, could be non-Muslims. We want to work collaboratively with everybody uh, to ensure that we are uh, engaging all sectors of society when it comes to production. But from my perspective, halal production or Islamic production really is all about uh, ensuring that our content is true to our faith and true to our moral foundation. And it is something that is based on true authentic narrative that we want to project. Otherwise, we are going to be just like any other uh, mainstream media why bother and why waste time and energy in producing content with just simply Muslim characters? I want to ask a bit of a practical point to follow up to this. Both you and Brother Raif talk about this, you know, uh, art of storytelling or the skill of storytelling uh, and then uh, you know you're also connecting it to being authentic to our traditions. For our viewers and members of the community if you know if this is something that people want to go down this path in terms of productions and media and all of these things uh, how do you learn to storytell how do you you know what, what what are some things even if it's something as simple as your own YouTube channel well you know what are some things that practically speaking well alhamdulillah you know we are living in an age of uh, not only just social media but really self-publishing and self-publication yes. The, the beautiful part is that everybody has access to it. You can start telling your story today, right now, literally. Pick up your phone, pick, pick up any device, start telling your story. Now, you will learn on the way. You're going to make mistakes, but you've got to start now. And it could be as simple as you getting up in the middle of your living room and start telling stories, or maybe you know, doing your own art, whatever art form you like, in, in your family or within, within you know, whatever networks you're part of. That being said, um, my suggestion to any people who are aspiring artists is to keep doing it consistently, do it every day, do a bit of it, whether it's writing, singing, uh, you know, per, video editing, uh, graphic design, whatever it may be, or, or, or storytelling of any form, do it every day and learn something new every day from professionals. Learn something every day uh, by taking courses. Um, there's so many incredible opportunities for you out there. At the same time, um, I wouldn't necessarily suggest, unless you have perfected the art, that you go full-fledged into that field unless you know that you are going to be, of course, able to do this professionally. So I think everybody should do this. Um, start somewhere, start small, grow your, uh, you know, perfect your art, and at the same time, learn from people who are experts, learn from uh, who are actually doing this for quite some time. Uh, get some mentors who are going to help you in this, in, on this path. Um, and if you think time is right for you to actually 
go right into this field and study it professionally, uh, make that a career, that's great. Otherwise, I would suggest that you should do this on the side and keep perfecting your art and just keep doing this as a hobby. There are many great people who are creative artists who are doing this on the side and professionally do, doing some great other great things. Uh, I wish we can have, we had more time. We would, uh, uh, I have so many follow up and uh, many even uh, philosophical questions, but actually that's a good uh, place where we can actually bring it back to the audience and ask them that critical question that Sister Mimuna uh, started the conversation with today uh, or uh, asked us to uh, think about. And I think it's about uh, this question of Muslim or Islamic uh, creative productions. And we tend to think about this as uh, what is not halal or what is haram and we start to stay away from it. But the question to uh, our audience and we encourage them to write to us and send comments and send uh, feedback and send suggestions and ideas that we're actually willing to support here with, a, with whatever capacity that we have. And I'm sure Brother Taha can mentor uh, many people into this as well. Of what can you produce and you call a Muslim production? It's not what is not... Uh, 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 an Islamicized production or a production that looks like this but is not haram, what is actually a truly Muslim production from the core objectives of what you do to the uh, end result and end product? If people can think and contribute and send us this, I think it will be a really meaningful conversation that we can uh, continue and talk on. And I do not really want to wish uh, to close this uh, uh, segment before asking Brother Taha uh, 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 about Sound Vision as always a place of creativity in our community. Uh, what do you ha what are you working on now and what do you plan to have uh, 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 in the future? Well, very briefly, Sound Vision started off about 30 years ago with Adam's World, as I mentioned earlier, uh, which was basically an idea of Muslim, creative Muslim production for children. And since then, it has, alhamdulillah, evolved from VHS to DVD episodes to now Adam's World app. Uh, and you can check it out at adamsworldapp.com. Um, we have done in the past Radio Islam for 20 years, being the only da daily radio show in America. But today, for the past two years, we have something called Muslim Network TV. And that is basically a Muslim production that is, that is a Muslim channel, sorry, based out of uh, Chicago and Toronto, uh, where we you know, basically have a, an authentic American or Canadian Muslim narrative telling our own stories, and more importantly, uh, sharing our news and analysis, which is sadly missing. We talk about all sorts of negative headlines, but this is a place where we actually hear about daily episodes, da daily news from Muslim perspective. And I, you know, I can testify to have even, you know, starting to watch uh, Adam's World as I was growing up and uh, sharing with my own uh, child now. And I can testify to the impact that it has had on generations. Uh, we want to invite any of you, as uh, Brother Khaz was sharing with us, uh, if you have questions, let us know. You can see the links that are uh, popping up below. Um, and with that, what we will say is, Brother Khalid, uh, next week, what can we look forward to? Okay, so uh, we'll move into another very important conversation. I think it's a conversation in the news uh, these days about our community and uh, how many of our institutions and centers and organizations are facing uh, structural Islamophobia. And uh, we've seen uh, a full Senate investigation led by Senator Salma Tolajan uh, and uh, also a recent publication by Dr. Jasmine Zain about the Islamophobia industry in Canada. Uh, we intend to have a, a deep uh, conversation exposing uh, this kind of uh, uh, Islamophobia uh, in our system in the country that uh, we love most and uh, 
uh, what can we do about it so hopefully uh, next week we do this if you have uh, uh, questions ahead that you would like to ask uh, in our next uh, show please feel free to email us at productions at macnet.ca uh, uh, or leave a comment on uh, the YouTube channel so uh, with this uh, we look forward to engage with all of you and uh, uh, by next week thank you so much so we will be back here every Thursday night, 7.30, airing live with our guests. And uh, before we leave, we want to leave you with, as we close tonight, inshallah, uh, with some videos of our artists and guests uh, that, uh, that are out there that you can access, just to leave you with a taste of what these uh, people are producing and the meaningful work that they, were d they are doing. And with that, we'll ask Brother Khalid to close for us, inshallah. Okay, and uh, inshallah, you can also, you'll be able to watch and listen uh, to the audio broadcast on most of the uh, podcast channels on the Mac channel or Islam and Life uh, show and uh, we'll share this information on the YouTube channel as well so uh, with this I end with a closing da'a Subhanakallahum wa bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim wal-Asr inna al-insana lafi khusr illa al-ladina amanu wa amilu al-salihati wa tawasaw bil-haqi wa tawasaw bil-sabr Jazakumullah khair Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah for a minute and smile Why is everybody so serious? Acting so darn mysterious Got your shades on your eyes and your heels They say the love never lasts The love never lives to see another day But what I know deep down inside I did the math Calculating trying to find my other half I'm on every other site Dude, I'm on every other app So you can add it up I double down, smash the gas, stand the gas load. Life is an online production by the Muslim Association of Canada.